I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Eucalyptus. After years of searching, I find my father standing by the old tree he'd pruned every spring to grow leafy before the sweltering heat of our subtropical summer. Who's there? He asks. I'm your son, Dad, tu hijo. Your first wife's dead, like you. We buried her south of Buenos Aires. Isho? He inquires. A dirty mate, good in his tarred hands. You are interred somewhere north of the General Paz motorway. He nods, dips his sweet drink, gives me a tangerine, then crosses the empty patio to his unkept tool shed, hand saws, nails getting rustier. I leave by the yard door. He whistles from his world to the dream where the tree grows taller every time I look back. I am delighted to um, welcome you all uh, here to uh, this event. I'm, I'm very, very excited um, to be launching my collection, uh, uh, Ballad of a Happy Immigrant, and, and also um, sharing the event with Andrew McMillan, um, his you know, launching uh, pandemonium, and, um, and it's a huge honor. And, and it's just, it's so exciting to, to welcome you and, and, and be reading, you know, all, all friends and, and family uh, here uh, from different places. Um, so my second poem is a sequence called Table Variations. One, oval table, profane, four-legged thing, a holy place of gatherings, father, mother, three kids, a ghost eating a saddle, Sunday mass barbecue, sins familiar, sins scattered, 
trample over the old checkered tablecloth. Pray, one day you'll have a family like this. All these traditions will pass on to you. Pray, this broken table now dies slowly, now lies alone in a tool shed somewhere south. Two, high altar with an epigraph, Genesis the eighth. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. A piece of furniture with a flat top and one or more legs, providing a level surface for eating of us kids and father still preaching, we are both alike you, my son, I will make you love every woman. Mujeriego, like broken legs, or so he says. Writing this life unknown to you, so apart, tell us, oh, why you feel a man hidden inside. Liar, you love hairy legs, so familiar, or so he says. Three, a family ceremony. And she laid at the table and she asked everyone to sit around and she prayed with her eyes shut and she thought we prayed with her and he looked at her and then looked at me looking at him and warm blood overspilled the chopping board and the knife went in and I didn't want to see and he said to me, don't be so gay, no seas maricón. And I looked at my empty plate and ate my words. And they tasted like burnt barbecue. And mother thanked the Lord with her eyes shut. And we thanked the Lord after her. My next poem is called S.S. General Pueyrredon and it's loosely based on, on the story of my grandfather, who was a sea captain and came to the UK in 1953. S.S. General Over the mercy, a sulphurous yellow plume emerges, the clack-clack of the dock, barrels and rolls lifted on ropes, a few dockers stand by, Others in overalls busy at the cranes. Cask after cask of oil lowered down, bellowing steam giants, towers, stevedores, freight trains to be unloaded. The ringing, hammering, dench of horses, cargo from all continents pouring in. The ship arrived from Buenos Aires via Tenerife. He disembarks, his leather bags next to him, a handwritten label, Capitan Boix. He won't be returning home for another two years. In Liverpool, he asks for directions. Can help me, por favor? Looks at the laden sky, takes a hackney cab, 
sees the D estuary dissolve in barges, the Albert Dock, liver, Cunard buildings behind railings, the molten flow of people in hats. Everywhere, streetcar, ghost of Blitzkrieg. He looks at all of these in awe. His ship, the SS General Puerredon, enthroned at the dock to be refitted. Derek's worship her steel carcass, Empress of the South. He takes lodgings on Water Street, smokes his Argentinian pipe, visits the Olympia Theatre, sends a telegram in Spanish to his wife and only son. Dear Amor, arrived safe here. City is bigger than I thought, badly damaged by the war. Nobody understands my bad English. People are cautious, polite. Some never heard of Argentina. They guess it's too far, if they guess at all. Here it rains every day. How is my Raulito? The crew ask after you both. Tell everyone I'm well. Love, tu esposo. Signed off all his letters with an R. Licks the new queen's posterior. Packed onto a tramway to the center, he walks around in circles, takes his tea white, muy blanco, at Grand Café Central, gets his ration cards, back to Birkenhead, his ship being loaded for her homecoming voyage. One evening, as he kills time, he notices a fortune teller sign goes in. You will live a shorter life. This will be your last trip. You will find love. He often dreams of home. It's Casuarinas ablaze. He imagines being back in Patagonia, waiting for the southern whales to arrive. One evening, he meets a sailor in the stork hotel, tan skin under flannels. They laugh to Albertino's songs, drunk on his stout, wrap hands on the waxed bench. Later, they sleep together. El Capitan's pencil moustache, a little brush, mouths alike. They clinch, press chest and groin and thigh, head against a tufted headboard, in coarse sheets pulled under his pubic hairline. They're sailors from another century, stalwart captured on daguerreotype, casually masculine, tender of heart. They meet every week in rented rooms, ties, shoes, white trousers, suspenders on the floor. The captain tells of the South Atlantic, run horses, cows of the Pampas, of Evita and General Perón, the lover of his childhood in a Scottish farm. His navy affairs, a smeared window overlooks the port. Pipe smoke clouds the room. They wash pits in sink, spend hours in dark hooked together, smell as one. And when the captain talks in her home, the Scottish sailor dreams of following him to see his foreign land. For his wife, he buys a piano, a sewing machine 
English dresses for his son, a toy ship, leather shoes, a box of lead soldiers. Takes a photo of the city. Sails back one morning of January 1953. His lover stands at the dock. Sees the General Pueyrredon depart. So long, Raul. So long. Turns round. Curses the day they met. It takes him hours to walk back to his tiny room on Queen's Square. Dock workers in arrive in search of work. Stand on ropes. Tanker vanishes in the river. A V-line of geese across a quay. And before I read my last poem of this section. I just um, want to say a few thanks to the many people who helped me uh, in this journey. Um, first of all, um, Paritza Ebrahimi, my editor, a superstar. Uh, it's been absolutely amazing um, just meeting you, and I'm just so grateful for you to believe in my work and, and you know, to work with me uh, throughout these two years. It's been an absolutely you know, amazing, absolute honor. Um, I also want to thank um, Greg and Mia from Vintage. They've, they've been absolutely amazing as well, helping me, especially in the last few months um, with the manuscript and also, you know, promoting the, the, the book. It's been really wonderful. Um, I want to thank Kayo and Ilya Kaminsky for writing those lovely words about my book. Um, and I really want to thank Nat, uh, Natalie Taitler. She's been absolutely wonderful uh just you know my partner in crime um we work together she's been there from the very beginning she was the first person who um you know heard me in spanish and and suggested you know me writing in english and i did <laughs> and here i am and i'm i'm just so grateful to her and her friendship and you know it's been absolutely amazing um, I want to thank the Complete Works family, um, all of them, uh, the extended and my uh, cohort, they, they've all been uh, really supportive and, and wonderful. And I also want to thank the Latinx familia, Un Nuevo Sol, Invisible Presence, all the, the Latinx poets that, you know, I've worked with and, you know, we became friends. Um, it's been a, a, a wonderful journey. And, you know, finally, I want to thank um, Pablo. Uh, my partner, my love, um, he's my first reader and my everything, and he's somewhere there um, behind, you know, uh, these walls and hearing and just helping and, and being wonderful. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be here without him. So I'm going to read uh, my, my last uh, poem sequence uh, of poems, and it's called The Weight of the Planet, uh, Variations on Ailson. Variations in front of a door. The door isn't closed. The door isn't closed or open. The door isn't open. The door never closed. The door is never open or closed. The door is never open. The door has been closed forever. The door is closed. The door has been open forever. The door is open. The house of a thousand corridors. I close the door, touch the floor. You said, I'm here. We speak to forget. 
the door is the door of a house that we've been to. It's now. And from there to the sea. I said, stay, I prepare mate. You open your eyes, but we leave anyway. Everybody asks me how I can live a solitary life on this sky blue mountain. Nobody can see I am simply sitting on this chair, staring at an ordinary wall. Everybody asks me how I can live a solitary life on this violet mountain. Nobody can see I am simply sitting on this chair, staring at an ordinary wall. We didn't have a car, television or even an umbrella. And when it rained, it simply rained. I was born El Día de los Muertos. My sister cried relentlessly for years. The same musician discovered your secret in a corner of the closet. Under a pile of dirty clothes lay the damned egg of your apparitions and disappearances. The first night I had sex with a man, he told me to wait outside, but I left, apparently never to return. There will be a machine so pure, a perfect copy of itself, with a thousand green eyes and a thousand scarlet lips. It will be useless, but will have your name, oh, eternity. When I returned from Argentina, you built a writing studio for me at the back of our house and told me, write a poem for us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Andrew, I don't know if you, are you there? Yes, yeah, I'm just um, just going to pull the poems up. Um... And then you do it so smoothly, I had to faff with the technology, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> that's such a beautiful region as well. Um, for how many years had you carried it before you felt it? How long had it sat growing as you grew, built of your own skin, tumour, parasite and itching, itching? until you looked. Who was it showed you? Who gave you the key or not self, sick self, the long worm body of your blood wrapped tight around your brain and you opened up, found you could not shut, no matter how long you screamed in your bed, panic, loose, bedlam, pandemonium. So it's just such an honour to, to share this uh, virtual stage um, with Leo tonight and I'm just going to read a few poems from Pandemonium and then we're going to have a little chat. Um, I want to ask him some questions about this book and um, and ask us questions as well in the, in the sort of Q&A um, box as well. Passion Play. Open audition to be held in the corridor of a one-bedroom flat. Let me walk you through it first. Start in the living room. A slow, deliberate procession to the bathroom. We need someone with experience of movement. Who understands how best to capture that writhing across the tiles to try and get the bleach. 
we'll need someone to play the bleep, someone light enough to pick up, who won't mind being thrown around. And we'll need a drummer for the exact sound of a head banging against a stud partition wall. We need someone for the clothes piled up in the corner to be sat in whilst weeping, someone for the lock, for the nurse down the line, someone for the door. It begins each time with a quiet withdrawal from the self, as though the body steps back from its own skin, folds in on itself, and without its wall of bone behind it, the skin becomes too sensitive to touch, and the brain begins to crease into smaller and smaller squares, making itself less visible, the way animals might when under attack, and the washing piles up in the basket, and the hair isn't clean for days, and each time it dawns on me too late what is about to happen. I say something unconsidered, and you lay down, weeping in the hallway, curled up by the door, like a draft excluder. Routine. It's an unusually busy night for the ambulances, so I check that you're still lucid, and then get told to call a taxi to A&E, which is unusually busy for a weeknight at 7pm, and so we wait for hours, get ushered into the unusual brightness of the triage room, and then back out to wait again, as your body attempts to come to terms with what's inside of it, and they decide it's best to send you home, but then vomiting begins, and the hospital wards are full, unusually overstretched with bodies of the dying and the not-today dying, the you are taken to a room where an old man is crying out in his sleep and a curtain is drawn between you. I sleep on the tiled floor like a dog by your bed. At 5am an orderly comes to take you to a ward and though it isn't yet visiting hours, unusually they allow me to stay for a while. A text comes through from home that in the night our new niece arrived into the world. So much life arriving every day. Too bright. Too bright. I let you sleep. Um, and this next poem just, um, I guess the only thing that's maybe worth knowing is in Manchester, which is where I live now, the kind of what was the tallest building in Manchester, the Hilton building, is built in such an odd way that when it's windy, it's sort of, you can hear it whistling, or you can sort of hear the sound of the wind traveling through the kind of outer piping of the building, and you can kind of hear that around the city. For the second night, I've left you sleeping in the hospital, hooked up to the drip that will dissolve the small white momentary lapses that look to overwhelm your body. I stopped the taxi early, needing the walk into the nighttime squall, the skyscraper singing its one long metal note back into the weather. I told it something in the way it's built to 
fault of architecture. The natural enters, leaves screaming. My sister says, we tell the children that the mind is a glass of water, almost always full to the lip, any extra overwhelms it. There is a bucket under the bathroom light to catch the dripping rain. Trouble seeps through your skin, nightly, the glass filling until it topples and we try to gather up the spreading water in our hands. How long we couldn't bring ourselves to say that word, attempt, as in attempt on someone's life, attempt as in something you might get better at, as though something to strive for, failed attempts, unsuccessful, unable, let down. Um, and I'll just skip to um, a different section of the book. Um, I, and then we'll have that chat. I um, went to see Matthew Bourne's Reimagining of Swan Lake, which is this astonishing kind of artistic feat, this kind of queering of Swan Lake, which is already quite a queer story in some ways. Um, and I, it just lodged itself in my head. And I was listening to that, to Tchaikovsky's astonishing kind of score over and over again as I wrote this. Um, so this is just called Swan, um, it's a poem in eight parts. One. The lake is calm tonight. The moon has dropped white feathers on the water. Tonight, the lake is calm. The wavelets lap like rustling wings. The lake tonight is calm. But look, who is coming in to land to tear the peace asunder? Two. My first time in water, I was unnaturally good, heavier somehow, so much power inside me, arms forcing the water away like prizing someone's mouth apart to take out what's inside. Only ever more water that comes through. Three. Then the year everything was swan. Feathers on my pillow, on the floor, wet prints in the hallway where I'd walked, men in white coats, little pellets in their hands, the shadow of my back curved against the wall. Or the black swan of death, the black swan of my own body, of my mum, the black swan of sex, the black swan of the house, of the wall, the loft, the damp, the black swan of rain, black swan of the dog, the black swan of weddings, the black swan of the neighbours of him, each one fury-footed in my stomach. Five. And then the year, everything was darkness, the red beak of my longing, the wedge of men in flight from club to club, banked in at every bar, loneliness, as though I'm dying of thirst. I think the men must be where water is. I always go face first to drink. 
six. Sing a swan of sixpence, a broken-hearted guy, four and twenty whoopers kept locked up inside. When the door was opened, the swans began to hiss. What is the solution for such a man as this? They see you in the living room saying things are wrong. They see you napping fitfully when all your strength is gone. Your mind is in the puddle now, soaking up the rain. They're coming now to peck at it, your damp and ruined brain. Seven. Queen. Mother, don't eat me. Mother, I'm trying so hard to get better. I'm sorry. I'm a queer. Remember how small I was, mother? Newly hatched, signet like a cloud fallen down on the water. Now it's only rain, mother. So much of it. Hitting the lake. Bringing it to the boil. Eight. I plucked each feather from myself. Slight resistance and then arising out like pulling up a weed. When I was bald, I beheld myself in the mirror of the water's edge. My neck looked ridiculous. My eyes, the only part of me that still had life. I raised each failed wing, just flesh now. Nothing for the wind to get up under the mirror. Crack with the tide. I reared up. I jumped. I watched myself. Broken. Fall towards. Myself. Thank you very much. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So, that was beautiful. Thanks so much for that reading, uh, Andrew. Oh, it's just so great to read with you. And I think we're gonna, we've got some questions, I guess, from, from the audience that we're um, going to get to. And we've got that kind of Q&A box that's down on the bottom right-hand side. It is on my screen anyway, if people want to ask questions. But what, I just wondered, if we, like, how does it feel? The book's in the world. It's out. People can buy it. <laughs> That must feel great, right? Tell us about how it feels to to have the book in the world. Oh, I'm really, really chuffed. I'm I'm really excited. Um, you know, as as I was saying to you, you know, earlier, I mean, it, it was such a long process because um, 
um, this I signed with 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 Chador in 2019, and um, so I had to wait two years, and then you know lockdown uh, kicked in, and it was a very very long um, you know difficult year. Uh, so it's just amazing, you know, that the book is 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 out, you know, now and out in the, in the world. But you know, it's a, it's a book that I I've been working on for 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 a number of years um sort of changed form and and you know evolved somehow um and and yeah i just yeah i can't believe it is 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 out and um i'm really excited to 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 read from it you know at different events and hopefully you know in the next uh, few months you know in live events or physical events hopefully by by the late summer or autumn we'll be able to you know to do more live live you know live events um but yeah, it's 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 just wonderful. I'm 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 super super excited. Um, and what about you, um, Andrew? I don't know. I mean, it's always exciting. It, I I have a difficult relation to to this book, um, to my book, just because of what it's about in terms of, like the mental health stuff is quite difficult. Um, and I think with this one, so with the with the first two books of for me, I. They felt exposing, but only of me. And, I, and so that was always kind of all right. And I kind of got coping mechanisms to deal with that. And so it's always, I always imagine it as like a performative version of me. It's not really me. And so people think they know about me, but they don't really. And so I kind of had all these coping mechanisms in place. And then suddenly this book is mainly about my partner. There are parts of it that are about my sister, um, kind of later on in the book. That becomes a kind of different proposition because it's someone else's life that you're exposing. Um, mm -hmm. And so I felt, you know, I still feel quite scared about that when when it came, when the book arrived, you know, there should be that joyous moment. I saw your photos, you like open the box and the and the book's there and you're really excited by it. Like mine sort of came and I just had to put it, I had to hide it at the back of a shelf and I couldn't kind of go near it for a few weeks because it had this kind of electric charge to it somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and then once it's out in the world, it always feels easier. I think there's nothing scary. I don't know what you think. For me, there's nothing scarier than that moment after you've signed everything off and it's done, but it's not out in the world yet. That's the mm. worst part, that, that waiting. Totally, totally. Kind of totally. That feels, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, no, no, I was going to say that I, I totally feel, you know, the same. I mean, with, with my book, I feel... Uh, it's sort of a calling calling card. It's almost like this is who I am, and you know this is where I come from, and my story. And, um, and so you know that's that's why there are probably so many poems about um, you know ships and, and migration and people moving from one place to the other, and uh, but also about love and 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 queer love and, and queer history as well in in the book. But I I totally see your point because uh, in a way, I mean there are. Poems obviously is about my my life and my story, but there are poems that are uh, you know partly fiction and um, and and yes, I, I I feel like you know I'm exposing you know I'm showing who I am, but at the same time I'm I'm you know I, it's it's personal and and yet perhaps it's because of the time that it took to to evolve. Um, it feels like. Yeah, there is a kind of distance somehow, and um, and even the distance of like the the past. You know, I left Argentina uh, almost twenty years ago, and uh, so those poems, uh, you know, that where where I talk about my my dad or or my grandfather. I mean, I just it feels that there is that kind of distance, like geographical, you know, geographical uh, distance, but also like time time was, you know, it's a, it's a, a life that I left many years ago. Um, so it's like, 
they, they're talking, you know, they put our in the or the UK, they're actually, it feels like closer somehow to my, my now uh, in, in many ways. Uh, and perhaps those are the ones that I feel more exposed or more, yeah, especially like Otisil, for instance, where, you know, the place where I live. And when I talk about, you know, Pablo, uh, when I was reading your book, I was thinking a lot about, you know, my relationship with Pablo and about, you know, queer love and, and companionship and, um, and all of those things. And the fact that you wrote at the end that Ben was your first reader, I immediately thought, oh my God, I mean, it's like, yeah, like it's the same with me. And, and um, yeah, I, I really, yeah, I, I love your, your book. It's kind of, it's so powerful and it just um, it hit me. Like, um, yeah, I was reading it in, in, on the beach, like again and again and again, and, and you know, trying to look at things um, as well. You know, I mean, I, I, it just felt so close in many ways. And, and um, yeah, I, I would treasure it. It's interesting, that idea of, I think, how we, how how how, pe how people live alongside us, right? When we're kind of doing this poetry thing, because for me, sort of Ben, like I couldn't drag him to a poetry reading if I tried. Like he hates it unless it's going to be like one of the glamorous ones with like free champagne and things. And <laughs> come but like you know, normally kind of, and I I almost kind of deliberately constructed myself a world where where poetry wasn't going to be important, and that always felt that that's kind of how I felt that I could be okay with it. And then suddenly this book kind of comes along and it infiltrates that space and so mm -hmm. like he's never just reading the points before but it felt very much with this book that he had to read them and edit them and, and mm. so he kind of, kind of went through them and said no I don't want that in but maybe we could say this and maybe we should say that instead and so kind of gone from kind of gone from two extremes really kind of of this kind of cultivated space where it's just very separate that's what I do for work but it's different to what home life is like so kind of asking mm. him to act be involved um, mm. it was just a really kind of different kind of relationship that we had to have for this book I think in order to make it work in order for it to be ethical that he had his voice in it mm. as well I think mm. Um, mm. I see I mean, what, how about for you like you know what do you share your work as you're working on it or is it well, like, yeah we live in literally we Pablo uh, his student he's an artist a visual artist and he he works next door to my my study so literally we <laughs> work next to each other um, he's a workaholic. He works non-stop painting and drawing, and um, he's a huge inspiration. So when I when he's working, I feel like I should be writing. I should be working as well. Um, and he's also a great editor. He's a he's a very tough, very tough editor. For instance, the Esteskin uh, Puradon poem. We worked together on that poem, and I I, I wrote at least twenty five drafts. Uh, and he was like, he's, he's, he's an absolutely amazing editor. He writes really well, and he wrote he wrote many books uh, on, on sort of um, architecture and art. Um, and yet, when I write poems that are very personal or poems that are, are where where I talk about him, he, you know, that's you know, I have to be careful because sometimes he's like, mm, I'm not sure. So you know, I need you know, perhaps you know, I need that distance somehow. But um, yeah. but it's, it's is is great because he literally he reads everything he reads everything I I, I write uh, and he's the first person that reads you know what, what I what I write. Um, it wasn't the case. I mean, definitely the last couple of years before uh, it was more like Natalie, for instance. She's she's been a, a brilliant mentor and different mentors and teachers. You know, the complete works. And I don't think that Paolo was very much involved back then. 
but um, but definitely in the last couple of years, perhaps definitely you know during lockdown, um, you know I've been since the, the beginning of the lockdown, I, I began writing all these haikus uh, mm. every day, haiku after haiku. Like I, I I wrote many you know thousands of haikus, and Pablo read every single haiku. He would go and take you know the the pile of manu. I mean my my manuscript is is very big. It became like a journal of the of the, the whole you know year. And he would every night he would go and sit and read and make notes. I mean, absolutely amazing. I was so touched. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's been you know it's been um, yeah it's been amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's true love, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. I know. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like you know, Pablo will leave you alone. Um, but um, he's so his his advice is always very uh, very good. He, he's he's giving me really good advice. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's how it sort of happens, you know. Um, um, a question for you in the chat um, that I shall put to you. Um, mm -hmm. So, so um, one of the audience members just asking how it's been. Um, how how's the process been writing in English, and do you feel that you have a different voice in each language? Mm, I do. It's interesting. When I came to the UK, I couldn't speak a word of it. I could write in English. It was a, a complete disaster uh, and really frustrating for me because I was I was studying literature in Argentina, I was uh, writing poetry in Spanish and when I came here I just felt a complete, um, you know, it was just awful um, and for years and years I kept writing in Spanish and I wrote two books in Spanish uh, but I, I couldn't write in English and, and then obviously I learned and, and uh, I read and uh, I studied here. Um, and then, you know, as I was saying, Natalie said, you know, I think you should try writing in, in English. And when I did, I realized that I was writing completely differently. I mean, it, my, my, my English writing is so different from my Spanish writing. Um, I, I don't know if it comes from the fact that, that Spanish is my mother tongue and it's, it's just so embedded in, you know, in you. It's just almost like you just write it like almost mechanically. And with English, it's like, it's, it's, it feels more artificial in the sense that I'm there constructing something and I just look at what I'm doing with a certain distance and I'm just sculpting it uh, in a completely different way. I'm more interested in form, for instance, when I write in English. And that's why, you know, I, I, I wrote ballads and, and sonnets and, and gazelles and, and different. And it's something I, it doesn't come naturally in Spanish, for instance. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so definitely, it's, it's, it's actually like uh, speaking in two, in two languages. I feel when I speak in Spanish, I'm a, I'm a different person. And when I, when I speak in English, I thought this, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm different. Um, and that's something quite exciting, I think. It's almost like you've got different sides to you. You know what I mean? Like there, there's different um, aspects of, your, of you and your, your writing. And also like the, 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 the things I write. Um, you know, I write about Argentina with a certain distance, which I think is quite good. And when I write in Spanish, it feels like really close, Some, sometimes like perhaps too close. Um, but um, yeah, it's a really fascinating. It's, it's not always easy. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm writing more and more in English. and I'm, I'm writing less in Spanish, perhaps because I'm not using Spanish enough. And sometimes I feel like I should keep that side of my as a poet alive. I do read a lot of 
poetry in Spanish and I do translate from Spanish into English and review books. Um, but yes, it's sometimes difficult to, to, you know, to, to have that sort of balance. Um, do you speak other languages, uh, Andrew? I mean, not, not very well. Um, I have um, the product of a very certain um, generation of secondary education in this country that decided to um, teach languages by not through kind of grammatical structures or through the kind of um, mm. through the foundation of the language, but through topic. And right. So, uh, and so we were taught French, but not how to conjugate French verbs. We were taught how to sort of name the rooms of the house and things like that. And so mm. we kind of have people often have quite good vocabulary, but no, I, no sense of how it kind of strings together. Um, but mm. because, um, because physical. Um, has been translated into a few, like in, into kind of French and things like that. Like I'm trying to get better at that because I feel incredibly ignorant then when I go abroad and, and kind of can't converse with them. Um, and also just mm -hmm. to on the translations because people might be say people might be kind of ruining my work and I won't know uh, because I can't mm -hmm. read the translations. Um, but mm -hmm. someone's asked a follow up question of of you, I think that, that kind of seems to me to link to what you were saying really. Um, they were saying either Argentine or South American poets or poems that have fed the, your poems, that kind of feed the poems that are in this collection, maybe. And how do you translate that material into the poetry that's conceived in English? So I don't think that, to me, I think that's not necessarily about kind of direct translation, which I know you do, but kind of how mm -hmm. do those ideas or those inspirations from, from maybe these kind of poets in Spanish how do they find their way into that poetry that then you're writing in English? Is is mm. there a, is there is that quite a kind of blurred border, as it were, between the two? Mm. Well, the, we know the the, the sequence, uh, the last sequence I, I read uh, is based on poems that I translated uh, from uh, Spanish from uh, Eduardo Jorge Eduardo Elson, and uh, and uh, he's a, a wonderful artist and and poet uh, from Peru, a queer poet. Who ended up uh, living in in Rome? So you know that that's how it sort of normally happens. That I I read something and I respond to that poet, and and then you know I translated his work and then I responded with like variations um, of his work. But I I I'm really I'm constantly reading um, poets from South America. For instance, I'm interested in, in visual poetry from South America and and. Um, and concrete poetry from South America, and some of the, the poems in the collection refer to to that uh, to those. I really want to ask you about this concrete poetry and, and kind of visual poetry. I'm sorry, I got excited then. I interrupted you because you were talking about form earlier, and you were talking about mm -hmm. like kind of guzzles and sonnets and ballad. Obviously, that's in the title of this kind of fantastic collection. But we you, people have seen on the screen. One of the things I love in this book are those kind of concrete poems, like the shape poems. So we get the table when we get that incredibly moving poem and we get the kind of altar as well. And one mm -hmm. thing I wondered was, because it's never something that I've dared to do or kind of been able to do, as you're drafting those poems, do they come out in that shape or do they come out like in a block and then, is it like kind of sculpting where you kind of sculpt it afterwards or yeah. is it appearing as you write it in that, in that kind of shape? I'm just fascinated by that process. Yeah, the, the the shape actually defines the, the 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 poetry. And for instance, you know, the the one with the shape of South America. As I was writing, I immediately, I you know, I was shaping it as I was writing it. So the shape was, um, yeah, shape. And the same with the tables. 
you know, that was really interesting because the table variations, it all began in a, in a sort of workshop that I did with uh, Mary Jean Chan called Queer Studio. And she basically said to us, you know, use the, the image of a table to write, you know, poems. And I, I, I was reading Aroldo de Campo, uh, this Brazilian, absolutely fantastic, uh, conc I mean, a, a, um, concrete poet from Brazil, very experimental. And I was looking at these poems in the shape, in shapes. And, and I thought, I'm, immediately I was like, of course, I have to write a sequence, you know, in the, and I wrote many poems with different shapes of tables, like oval and rectangular and, and all, you know, with, with some kind of meaning to me, like specific tables that I remember from my childhood or, you know what I mean? And that was a really great prompt to write about, let's say, you know, for instance, in, in family ceremony, that kind of, that scene of, uh, you know, the family all congregated and, and you know, and, and then what's happening there was play, being played out. Um, so concrete poetry can be really, um, uh, yeah, just very inspiring, um, at least for me. And um, and then, you know, I, I, I refer to Cecilia Vicuña, another Chilean poet and also an artist, again, working with uh, concrete poetry. And um, and Oliverio Girondo, he's an Argentinian poet from the 1920s and 30s who um, made this um, poem, uh, sort of a scarecrow, and the shape of a scarecrow and um, wonderful poem that I, I, I remember reading as a child. So yeah, it comes back and it's a sort of, it's a, it's, you know, I'm, I'm referencing them. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I belong to, I'm Latinx. I, I come from Latin America. I belong to this wider family. I'm responding to this first. I'm, you know, hopefully in a, in a line, you know, uh, that began before. And, you know, I, I, it's almost like a, yeah, sort of a, a comment or reference to, to all these poets that kind of, have informed me. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Um, we've got a question um, that's kind of half and half, so to both of us. So I'll pose it to you first, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. The you mentioned the ballad, so we're still on form, I guess. And you thought about yeah. thinking about the book title and whether you could talk a bit about the idea of ballad as song. And do you have any thoughts about how you construct musicality in poems? Hmm. Oh, that's that's interesting. I mean, with the with that poem, I was reading Louis McNeese and uh, and he wrote this ballad and there was this refrain and I was like, oh, my God, this is just amazing. And I, I wrote a couple of ballads and then I got this refrain immediately. That was the first thing I got, like the refrain. And when I got the refrain, I knew I knew the, the rest of the poem. So, I you know, the refrain was this kind of almost like incantation. And I knew and that that poem came out pretty much in one sitting. It was just I knew the story. I knew what I wanted to tell. And this refrain was almost like saying, you know, come back a man or never come. Come back a man or never come. You know, it was just a. Uh, and yeah, I remember reading it aloud uh, the first, you know, as I was writing it, because, it, you know, there's, there's, you know, full rhyme there. It's very, very like a song. Um, and yes, as I was saying before, I, I guess this kind of, you know, the, the way that I, I write in English, I'm just so aware of these things like music and rhyme and, and, uh, and syntax, where in Spanish it comes, I actually don't, it kind of feels somehow that it comes naturally. And perhaps I'm using uh, music, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, of those things, but it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it comes sort of naturally, uh, where in English I'm just, I'm, I'm working, you know, and kind of looking at these these things, but but yeah, and 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 what about you, uh, Andrew? Um, well, I mean, for me, this the the sort of 
the other half of the question is asking about, I guess, the kind of sonic or unmusical kind of quality of it. And I guess for me, I've always been, I've never, I'm really bad at rhyme. I'm just kind of not that clever. I'm trying to get more formal. So there are some sonnets in that new book that, have kind of, that were a challenge for me. Although then somebody mm. said to me, they might, are they sonnets or are they just 14 line poems? And I quite like that. Like, I don't know, they fall somewhere in between because they don't really mm. follow any rules other than they've got mm. 14 lines. Mm. Um, but for something like this, it's interesting because I, one of the projects I've been really interested in is kind of how much you can rip poetry back of all its artifice and so kind of imagery and metaphor and stuff like that and it still be poetry kind of where is that line is something I'm just quite interested in and especially for mm. something like a lot of mental health stuff that just felt that was so lived and has, had been such a difficult thing to kind of go through and to kind of live beside that to, to try and embellish that would somehow feel wrong and I guess there was a project about just how how, how, how much can you tell that plainly without mm. that be, without that becoming dull for a reader as well you know what how much mm. do you need to because mental health is also something quite abstract so how much do you need to concretize that in the body and show the kind of body, bodily kind of function of that um, mm. and kind of what does that um mm. but what up? i loved what, what i loved about a pandemonium especially in the, the last section in notwith is is it's a, exactly that that because you use the form of a sonnet you know, the, the, you know, all 14 lines and, it, you know, the subject matter was just so chaotic in a way and so crazy and so overwhelming. And yet it was all very contained. And that created this tension and this kind of um, complexity that I think it really works. It's, it's almost like, you know what I mean? Like sort of, uh, it's not like spread out on the page. It's not like exploded. It's very contained. And I, re I think that kind of balance uh, works really well and actually throughout the collection because in other sections as well you sort of keep there, there's something quite sort of um uh sort of you keep that sort of form throughout this the section and then you you know you you start another section and um and i was thinking a lot about form and and those sonnets at the end as well um you know if it was something that kind of came naturally to you or you 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 basically wrote the poem and then you you shaped it or how you know how how did you um, yeah, ended up with 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 that section, for instance, with with the sonnets. Like so, for me, like because so, I like the idea of not so that that sonnet sequence is called not weed, and it's so we, there was not weed in the garden, which is this kind of um, plant species, bamboo kind of plant species that's impossible to um, get rid of almost. You can just about do mm. it. It's concrete, it's incredibly kind of difficult to get rid of. So that just became yeah. this overall metaphor, and I had this sense that. I almost thought I'll write when you know you get these grand ideas when you start a project. I thought I'll write a book length poem called Not Weed and it'll be all quite odd and weird <laughs> and it'll be kind of weird. And it just wasn't working. It wasn't because I was trying to map chaos into chaos mm. in the poem. And it's so interesting mm. what you're saying about that tension, like you know, with, with your kind of concrete poetry, with these ballad forms, with all these forms that you're you're kind of working in so well as well. There's that tension, isn't there, between the line between what's been said and what the form allows. And what the form kind of constricts and i think that 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 tension is just so exciting to to work in as a poet i think exactly yeah and i think when you find the right form for for you know for the poem you're writing that's that's really exciting when the form starts the you know the purpose really well because i remember when i i wrote the uh the myths translations on you know the, the charms uh, i wrote you know from the anglo-saxon poems 
and it was just really wonderful because it was it was you know I was commenting on on this idea of translating and mistranslating you know traditions and culture and language and and what I'm doing all the time you know when I'm you know bringing you know the Spanish into English and when I speak with my family and I explain what's happening here I mean I mean constantly translating and mistranslating and I, I felt I have to write something and then I was reading this Anglo-Saxon uh, charms and and then by mistranslating I was creating something different and odd and and, and strange and um yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm really interested in yeah, in definitely in form and um yeah. There's like maybe let me I'm just scrolling through um the questions. I think if I pose one more to you, um Leo, and then yeah. you could sort of segue from that into uh, maybe reading that reading that final poem. Um, yeah, of course. So um let me see what was asked. Um so someone was asking um do you read any um of, of you leo if you read any other genres so novels or kind of prose i guess in english and, and spanish so that kind of bilingualism again um and do does reading other genres affect that poetic voice that you've got um mm. and i just want to say you know, it's an honor to to share this stage with you to read it with you it's such a great book ballad of happy immigrant is such a stunning book it's oh. it feels like a book that we've needed for a long time I think mm. in poetry, and I'm just really thrilled that it's that it's in the world. So thank you for that. Oh. Um, but I and I know you're going to read for us um, a kind of final poem at the end as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. But mm -hmm. I'll leave you with that question, and then uh, yeah. look forward to hearing that poem. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, well, actually, yeah, I do. I do read other genres. Uh, I, I have a column in in Morning Star called Letters from Latin America, a monthly column where I review mostly fiction, but also poetry and theater as well, uh, in translation on from Latin America uh, or Latinx writers. So I'm constantly reading different, different genres. It definitely, uh, you know, affects what I'm writing. Um, uh, you know, for instance, when I'm reading something that is very, you know, a narrative that is very striking, I ended up somehow writing something that is slightly more narrative um and not necessarily straight away but you know um perhaps in weeks or but yeah definitely and because i do it all the time i i, I review books constantly and i'm reading different genres it really yeah it's, it's, i think it's, it's quite a good uh, inspiration as well um you know when you're sitting and writing um poetry and um and yes that's that's pretty much it so i'll yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna finish um with a poem called four and this is a, a specular poem, and it's a poem that you will see on, on the on the on the um, screen. Um, it, it has a sh the shape of a butterfly. Some people said that it looked like a, a butterfly. Um, again, it's a, it's a poem that I wrote um, uh, during the uh, Mary Jean Chan uh, workshop, and um, and and yes, it's called the Fall. Be kind to me, you said to the oval mirror. And I followed through the palm-infested night, a simple path reflected simply, brothers alike brothers, kiss from vessel to a kiss. Our twin images akin, our mirror divided and announced. Can you hear us? Open to a subtropical world, that's only us going carnivorous. Flowers slowly unpicked 
with symmetrical hands into the light we plunge down the cracks we didn't have before listen to our tongues how we met how we stayed as one how we spent the first night together how we met how we stayed as one how we spent the first night together how we listened to our tongues we didn't have to fall down the cracks we plunged into the light with symmetrical hands slowly unpicked carnivorous flowers that's only us going to a subtropical void can you hear us opened mirror divided and announced our twin images akin our kiss is un beso to a kiss brothers alike brothers a simple path reflected simply through the palm infested night and i followed you said to the oval mirror be kind to me thank you <laughs> thank you andrew it's been a real honor and uh, i'm just so thrilled and delighted to um to yeah just spend this hour with you and, and reading together and, and talking together and uh, and thank everyone for for coming and it's been it's been great and um yeah i i'm overjoyed <laughs> thank you thank you everyone thanks for listening to find out more about london review bookshop events visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.